Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 73 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. And Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Get your free 30-day trial at firmmanager.com slash LTN. In our last podcast, we discussed 2011 legal technology developments in the format of our favorite ESPN's Pardon the Interruption show. In this episode, we want to revisit the subject of collaboration tools and technologies and cover the most common question we hear on the subject. Tom, would you let listeners know what to expect in this episode? Absolutely, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we're going to talk about collaboration tools and uh, the challenges in getting people to work with them. In our second segment, we're going to revisit the topic of our last episode, and we will follow up on our assessment uh, on Legal Tech in 2011. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, observation, or website that you cannot uh, live without and you can begin to use the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started and talk about collaboration. Uh, we've talked about it a number of times on this uh, podcast, and we thought it was a good time to revisit it. This past week, we had a great conversation with somebody working with the American Bar Association. They are looking at creating some collaboration tools for, for ABA members to use, and, and we, were, we were happy to give our input on, on the subject. But during the discussion, we both came to realize, I think, that a lot of things we previously thought about collaboration tools have changed since we visited the topic last. And so we thought uh, it might uh, be worthwhile to discuss our experiences in this episode. Dennis, any epiphanies this week following our conversation on collaboration? Well, I did have an epiphany about email that I know we'll we'll get into in a, in a <laughs> little bit. But uh, I, you know, I, what struck me during the conversation it really is the most common question we hear um, is is why don't people use the collaboration tools that that we roll out for them? And I, I it's. There's a lot of people who have asked me this question. Well, we have this great SharePoint platform. We have these other platforms and um, these great tools, and they do everything that people say they want, yet people don't don't seem to use them. And I, I think we talked about, uh, you know, quite a bit about that in the book and, and the, when we've talked about collaboration. There is this cultural element to collaboration. So it's, it's not as simple as saying, here are these great tools that do all these things um, and people just start using them. There's, there's a culture to that. And then I think it, it really does come down to time that we, people tend to focus on the platform and what the platform can do. But collaboration is really a, a project. Uh, uh, you look at tools by the project. And so I need to have a project and I need to see how the collaboration tool that's being rolled out for me will help me with that project. If it's just a different silo, it's something I have to learn, or it doesn't quite fit with the way I'm working on that project, I think the platform notion gets in the way of, of actual collaboration. So that, that I think that's probably, in terms of epiphanies, something I thought before, but I think it's been really uh, brought home by dis conversations I've had with people recently. 
Well, and I, I agree with you. I think that I had the same epiphany, but I'm going to call it something different because it's something that lawyers don't. You, you call it the culture, and, and I'm going to call it by a different term, which, which lawyers don't deal with much, but with what that corporations deal with much more, and that's the idea of change management. Um, I think that, that – that, and that's, that to me is something that I've been doing a lot of work on lately that uh, I can see is a definite obstacle and barrier to rolling out tools like collaboration tools. And I don't think it really matters how big the group is that you roll those tools out to. If you are not introducing these tools without the proper messaging, you're not going to get the, the level of adoption that you expect. I think that, um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with change management, um, it, it essentially boiled down to its basics are, is the idea of getting people to change their behavior in how they work or in, in this case, how they collaborate uh, using technology uh, or, or different way to use the technology that they have. You know, of course, if, if you manage the rollout properly, I think you're still not guaranteed that people are going to adopt the technology especially if you're dealing with volunteers who are working together where you can't really force them to use the technology that they're that they're uh, using i we're working right now with a with a collaboration tool in the law practice management section and i've noticed that the that the uh, the adoption rate has not been as as strong as i've expected and that most of the volunteers still prefer to collaborate in email uh, rather than actually use the tool, which is much more full featured and has a lot more uh, a lot more bells and whistles for collaborating and, and working on documents. Dennis, any ideas why they'd be more interested in using email? Well, I, I think it's, uh, you know, we talk about culture, you talk about change management, but it, there's this uh, inertia is, plays a big role. People just don't like to change. And so what they're used to, they they like to stay with no matter how much they complain about it. And so I, I think there there is this this inertia. I sort of feel that with the, the law practice management uh, tool and, and what I've seen, Tom, and, and sort of my use or lack thereof of, of of the tool, and and I have a, a another another thing we'll talk about too, which is is sort of volume, everydayness. You know, you need to have something where you go to a place so it doesn't feel like another silo to you. But I want to echo what you're saying about change management. I, I think that lawyers often think of you know project management, change management, you know the, those sorts of things as um, I don't know whether they think of them as touchy feely or not real. But there's there's actual science behind this stuff and and approach you know approaches that really work. You know, to to uh, get people through changes and to transition into into new tools, and I, th- I think you're right, Tom. That that uh, it, often in in law firms, at least in my experience, you tend to say, "Here's this great new stuff. Roll it out to people." Oh, sorry, we don't really have time for training, or we don't want to spend that much money on training, and you just kind kind of learn this stuff on your own. Um, and and it doesn't it doesn't go well. And people will say, "Well, you know, lawyers don't seem to take to technology very well." Well. People need help to to transition from from one thing to another. Um, but I, I think it is true, Tom, and and I'm interested in, in your thought whether if we uh, when we do a new version of the book, are we going to say, which I think is totally the case now, that email is the dominant collaboration platform for lawyers today? And I just don't. There's no two ways about that. You know, I, I I hesitate to agree with you on that, but I think that you're right. I think that, and, and it's not just for lawyers. I think that that lawyers are are among a, a large group of people who still tend to use um, 
email to collaborate. I know a lot of companies have started to roll out more, they call them collaboration rooms or work sites uh, where they're working on particular issues. And, and I'm seeing the rollout of primarily tools like SharePoint being used for collaboration within a corporate environment. But I think that that's probably happening even less uh, in, in, in law firms. But I think that the part of the reason why email is used is, uh, you spend most of the day working in it anyway. Uh, most people are, and most lawyers are spending their time communicating through email rather than through the phone, rather than through paper documents. And they're spending that. And so it's, it's, it's just comfortable and it's more convenient for them to collaborate there while they're doing all their other work in the exact same place. Now, I think that, even if you have a collaboration tool, uh, then you're still going to need to have an email component to it. You know, we, we, we have a lot to do during the day and, and there is something I'll come back to your silo issue in just a second. But it's it's hard to to keep one more silo open so we can check and see if there's been new, something new that happened. And so there has to be an email component because it's what we're familiar with. It's what we work in a lot. Uh, and, and I think email is still the best way to do that. I don't think that there's a good way to solve the whole silo issue. The fact that a collaboration tool presents another silo that you put your information in. I, I think that it's one of the biggest obstacles to collaboration tools, although there have been some companies who've tried to deal with this. They, you know, Office and Acrobat, they've tried to build in collaboration tools to the, to the software that you're already using so that you don't have another silo, so that you are able to collaborate within the document. But the problem, though, is that that really, if you've got used the collaboration tool in Office, if you use it in Adobe Acrobat, you're just limited to working within that document, that that application with those documents. You know, a, a real collaboration with people on projects or matters or whatever it's going to be, you need a self-contained site that that handles everything, not just documents, but also deadlines and discussions and tasks and and all the things. And unfortunately, that means I think another silo. Dennis, are there any other obstacles uh, or barriers to adopting uh, collaboration tools that we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, I think there are a few. Um, but I, I want to go back to email because I, I think people need to think of this stuff fresh. And as I always say, you know, like what's when people ask me what the best tool is or, you know, then I always say as compared to what or to to do what. And and so, you know, when I think of some of the the, the meetings and calls I've been on, um, you know, if you were to say we're going to pick a collaboration platform and it's going to it's called email and what's going to happen is you're going to get these these messages that come at you in an undifferentiated, ungrouped way. It's going to be hard to track through them. You're going to find that some people get left off of emails who, who need to be on them. You're going to go to meetings where some people didn't you know get get added to the meeting or get the invitation to the meeting you're going to have people look wasting all kinds of time looking to to get on the right version of documents that are attached and not in a way that it's easy to find things and you're going to and that's how you're going to work you would go that that's really insane you know i mean it doesn't make any sense as compared to what we see with you know, a SharePoint or the the collaboration platforms. But I think it's the one we're in. Like I said, it, there's a lot of inertia. Um, we don't, although we will add silos from time to time. So people have, have added Facebook as another silo, another place they'll go to visit or Twitter or other things. But it's difficult to, to, to add one more to that. So I, I think you... I, 
a lot of it really comes down to inertia and the fact that email is sort of good enough. We're used to it. We sort of understand what the problems are. And, you know, you feel like you got to jump completely into a collaboration platform, as opposed to what typically happens when I work on a project. Uh, you know, Tom, as you know, I've been uh, just wrote a new book and we just jumped into Google Docs and, and you know, did the drafts that way. And, you know, great collaboration tool, little instant messaging. Um, and it's, it's really straightforward. It didn't need anything really elaborate, but all while I was doing that, I wished I had something that would track versions, you know, allow me to calendar, you know, deadlines and things like that. So, so I think that email is sort of good enough. We can get it to work. And there's some other things that are sort of good enough, but um, it's hard to make that jump to something, even though we know it would give us all the features that we want. Well, you know, I think that an, a, another reason um, for, for that and, and, and what I would consider as another barrier to using tools is the fact that some of these tools just aren't simple to use. I, I tend to disagree with, with that argument because I think that with the right education, most of these tools are very simple to use and are very, uh, very, very intuitive and, 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 and can be used in an, in an easy way. But I know very one very very tech savvy group of, of lawyers um, that has access to a full featured collaboration portal, but yet they choose to use just Dropbox for their collaboration because it's easier. Uh, you can just open up a folder on your computer and everybody has access to the same document in the same folder. And of course, you don't get the same features. You don't get the discussion boards or the tasks. Um, but maybe that just means that those people don't need all those features or they find that email for communications or some other tool for communications makes more sense to them. And so, you know, I find that 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 groups that that are collaborating with each other may be using a multitude of tools rather than just one all in one group where everything is 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 aggregated in the same place. They tend to use the tools that happen to work for them. I think that another another issue that I think is interesting is is as we had our discussion earlier this week I kept thinking back to a tool like Facebook. You know, it's it's not a collaboration tool, but there are 800 million people who are on it and they the stats are that more than 50% of those people are on it at some point in time every day. So it must be doing something right. So I wonder what could collaboration tools use or learn from from Facebook, whether it's making it easy to share with just a few clicks. Uh, mobile solutions, I think, uh, being able to access it from anywhere is certainly important. And that having everything available in one place, everything you want to do every day in the same place, you never have to leave that place. And I think that's a challenge that these collaboration tools have uh, because they, 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 they can't do it in a way that, that I think people are comfortable with. Dennis, any... Any tips that you'd like to, to leave us with as we take us out of this uh, segment? Well, I know that, uh, you know, when you talk about Facebook, I remember once we were talking in connection with the, it could have been the ABA thing where I said, oh, why don't we just start a Facebook group? That would be the easiest thing. And because and, I believe in like, the, it's the everydayness factor. So if I know I'm going to go to a collaboration platform every day, that makes it a lot easier for me to use. I also want to have sufficient volume. A lot of people say, oh, discussion boards are great, but you go there two or three times and and there's no discussion, um, you stop going there. Um, so a couple of tips 
tips I had and, and some of the things we talked about in the, in the call or were some things, some sort of reward system, uh, you know, or even as they call it these days, gamification, you know, where you, you know, if you visit the, 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 uh, the collaboration platform or the, or use the tool, you get reward points or you, or you get something else where you, you get some kind of benefit or maybe even there's a game element. If you think about Foursquare, a lot of the adoption on that was the fact that there was a game and you could become the mayor of some location. So, so I think if, if you do look at what's successful in Facebook, um, which I think are some of those social elements um, but, and, and, and the other things around it, but I also think it's mainly the everydayness. So you just – so this collaboration tool needs to be part of – what you visit every day as a routine matter, and and that probably is why email is is the is the main competition because, you know, most people start up Outlook as the first thing they do every day, and they get email coming in all the time. So you're always in the program. So I, I think uh, something that pulls people in and and shows that shows them that something is happening. But I just like the idea of of maybe adding some game features or or, or maybe just just modest rewards of of some kind might be really helpful. Yeah. The only tip that I'll offer before we close is, and I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I think you have to make sure that you get change management right if you're going to roll out a tool to somebody. No matter how big or how small the group of people is who are going to be using the tool, make sure that you find champions who are going to commit to start using the tool so that others can see that it's being used, that they're liking it, that they're getting value from it. Uh, Provide lots of easy to read information. Um, on how to use the tool so users can learn to use that tool at their own speed. Uh, provide timely, relevant information on when you're going to roll it out or when you're going to use it, but don't provide too much because people are going to complain that they're being overwhelmed and they'll shut down automatically. So those are my, that's my, my last tip on collaboration tools. I think that'll, that's something that if, if change management is handled right, you've, you've won a great deal of the battle if you're trying to convince people uh, to use a collaboration tool. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from our sponsors, Clio and Firm Manager by LexisNexis. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the role of security in cloud computing. Jack, what about security? Are there any ethical or security-related concerns that need to be addressed with cloud computing? We're starting to see the first ethics opinions come out on cloud computing, and the early proposed ethics opinions like that from the North Carolina State Bar indicate that there are no ethical issues relating to the use of cloud computing in a law firm, but that as with the use of any third-party provider, an appropriate amount of due diligence needs to be undertaken to verify that the provider you're using has implemented an adequate level of security and privacy precautions and is essentially taking due care with your confidential client data. We've been talking to Jack Newton president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. If you're like many solo and small firm attorneys, it can be challenging to manage both your practice and give your clients the attention they need. Well, now you can do it all free for 30 days with LexisNexis Firm Manager. Built from the ground up for attorneys like you, it's an easy way to get organized, master your business, and keep your clients happy. 
Firm Manager is secure, web-based, and mobile, so you can manage your practice anytime, anywhere, from your laptop, smartphone, iPad, or tablet. No IT hassles, no long-term commitments, and best of all, no more worries about what needs to be done. Get your free 30-day trial of LexisNexis Firm Manager today at firmmanager.com LTN. That's firmmanager.com LTN. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we revisit our topic from the last episode, legal tech in 2001. Did we leave anything out of the last episode that you want to talk about today, Tom? <laughs> well, that first part of the question, did we leave anything out? I'm, I'm pretty sure we left a lot of stuff out, even though we did cover a lot during the session. But the one thing that I really want to talk about is in the area of e-discovery. Um, one of the, I think, the bigger developments over the year, it was kind of a sleepy year for e-discovery, but uh, but was the idea of the recommendations for uh, the federal rules. A lot of people spent a lot of time in 2011 thinking about whether or not a specific rule around preservation of electronically stored information uh, was necessary. Essentially, I think the rule that, that they proposed is going to impose a trigger for when the preservation obligation begins, how long it lasts, and, and provide sanctions for the failure to preserve in a proper manner, according to the rules. I think that uh, I, I saw over the year lots of big companies objecting to this, saying it's a big problem for them. Uh, but what's interesting is that the stats so far don't quite bear out that a lot of people are getting sanctioned for bad preservation. So it um, it looks to me like the, the real problem here is that uh, it's costing a lot to preserve information, mostly for big companies that do a lot of e-discovery. So uh, the question is whether or not there really should be a rule, I think, is a good question. Another issue is whether or not the federal rules can actually create a rule or the rulemaking group who, who does this can actually create a rule like this. Preservation rules have traditionally been handled by the state courts, um, as we saw with the last set of rules. Uh, it, it was a real issue on, on what rules could be passed that could be enforced by a federal court. Um, the rulemaking process takes a while, so we've got a ways to go. Uh, as you, with the last round, it took about six or seven years to get the e-discovery rules in place, so I expect it'll take a while to get them in place this time. Uh, so sit tight and see what happens this year, and uh, there may be a preservation rule coming on the horizon. Dennis, what about you? You know, I, I, I've, you know, sort of moderately followed what's what's happening with those e-discovery rules. And, and, I, and I think the people talking about them need to kind of rethink the approach a little bit because everything I read or hear always seems like, what can we do to make things easier for lawyers? Boy, this is really hard for lawyers. And and it seems like the, the client's needs are, are 
kind of being pushed aside because lawyers find this really hard and difficult to do. And that may not be the case, but that's sort of what I hear and what I see when I, when I read about this. So that might, I think, I think it might be a better sell for everyone if it, if it didn't seem like, um, let's make work easier for, for lawyers and, and, and not maybe so much so for judges or for, for clients. So that would be one aspect of it. And the other thing that, you know, I, I just think more and more about Tom, and I know we're going to be talking about it more this year, but this the apps phenomenon. I, I just think is is really changing the the whole approach to technology for for lawyers and everybody else. And it's you know if you're going to pay attention to one thing or to experiment in one area, I, I think it is is apps and and what that means for you know how things are supported, how people are using different tools, uh, how things are simpler. You know the the trade offs people have to make and and the cost expectations. So um, I think it's a dramatic change. And if there's probably one area that I would look at this this year would be um, the potential impact of apps in a variety of ways for the legal profession. I'm going to be very interested to see what kind of apps are developed for lawyers over the coming year. We've we've seen a ton in the past year of apps being developed for litigators and lots of lots of apps that lawyers can use when they're in trial or when they're preparing for trial. And there's been a lot of development, but there haven't been developments in, in other areas. I'm going to be interested to see how time and billing software ha- handles it and, and how other other areas of the law handle uh, uh, the, the mobile revolution and the fact that people are now demanding to have information available either from their smartphone or from their iPad or some combination of the two. So I, I agree completely. That's going to be very interesting. Only thing that I will add real quickly on to your uh, your comment on preservation is I, I think actually that the new rule makes it easy for corporations. I think corporations, and when I think when we say clients, that's who I'm really thinking about. I think that that the corporations are really driving the change for a rule more than anybody here. I think lawyers could definitely use an easy rule because of I think their lack of education on e-discovery. But I think that uh, I think that that you've got a lot of squeaky wheels who happen to be large companies who have a lot of e-discovery, and I think that they're complaining a lot because it's costing them a lot to preserve information and 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 they have the right idea by saying that uh, you know we we don't want to get caught with spoliation because that to, to, to spoliate evidence asks us to risk our reputation. And I think that that's a valid, I think that's a valid point for, uh, for companies to say. So I think that, uh, that this law is going to make it has the potential to make it easy for anybody. But I think that could be a potential problem because, uh, by making it so simple, um, you, you may be, you may be creating a rule that, uh, that, that eliminates evidence before a preservation obligation arises uh, that could have been relevant and could have been uh, good evidence uh, in a case. Yeah, I, I I don't agree. I don't disagree with you about the uh, where the result may turn up. I just I, I'm a little bit uh, concerned by what I'm hearing in the messaging, which seems like oh, you know that since 2006, it's been really tough on, on lawyers. So we need to make some changes that, you know, uh, because because lawyers are having a hard time with this. So we might get to the right result. I'm just, I, my concern is a little bit about the messaging. Um, but it's time for our parting shots, Tom, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Take it away. 
Well, you know, I wish I could, I wish we could do a whole segment on my parting shot because I love, love, love this new tool. It's simply called IFTTT, which means if this, then that. And it is a tool that um, I have been sort of looking for for a long time. I, I There have been other tools that have d- done this before, but, but basically what it does is it can help you create rules, like you create rules in Outlook to do things when you get a message. It will create rules for you um, to do things out on the internet when certain things happen. So it's if this happens, then that will happen. And you're essentially creating a, an if rule and a then rule. And, and here are some of the examples of the rules that I've created or that are available. You know, there are rules that say every time you're tagged in a picture on Facebook, it's going to download to your Dropbox. Um, every time you star an item in Google Reader, this is huge for me because I want to be able to share what I read in Google Reader. But every time you star an item in Google Reader, it would automatically post to either your Facebook or Twitter account or both. Um, When you update your Facebook profile picture, it's going to automatically update your Twitter picture so that both of your your social media tools have the same picture and you don't have to to do all that work. Uh, If if you're a Kindle reader, uh, when a new book is added to the Kindle Top 100 free eBooks, you're going to get an email with something that comes out. And people are creating recipes and, and, and rules and are sharing them online so you can subscribe to to those, or you can create your own however you want to do it based on the, the different sites that they interact with. It's all, I think, terribly helpful, and it's really easy to remember, ifttt.com. Dennis. Yeah, Tom, I think that has fantastic potential. It's something I, I also want to to experiment with or maybe steal some of some of your rules, uh, whichever makes more sense. Um, I, I'm going to go with the apps apps theme. There's, a, you know, I, I think, Tom, one of our f- favorite sites is appadvice.com, which goes into a lot of the, the new apps and what's going on. And what they do on a regular basis is they have a, a feature called Apps Gone Free, which talks about the apps that uh, occasionally go free for a day or two for a short period of time, and you can download what was originally a paid app for a couple days for free. They also have their own app called Apps Gone Free. Um, And my daughter, who has a new iPhone uh, 4S, uh, one of the apps I had her download was Apps Gone Free, and she said the other day, Dad, this Apps Gone Free that you had me download is really great because it it shows these apps that you would otherwise have to pay for that are available. And what's really cool is that you download those once for free, and and they seem like they update on a regular basis without you you paying again. So it's a great way to to try some really good program or really good apps um, for free that you might otherwise pay for. So uh, uh, it's appadvice.com and the apps go on free app in the uh, in the uh, the iTunes store. Yep, they have some very good recommendations. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for listening and joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available at our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to uh, the podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Make collaboration work for you in 2012 by subscribing to this podcast in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. 
its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.